more. Are you struggling to be more present for the people and priorities that are the most important to you? Well, it won't happen without a plan. Today, we talk about how better planning leads to greater presence on dreamers and disciples. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. My name is Wade Joy, and each week on the podcast, we talk about how to reset your rhythms and renew your dreams. And today we're getting really practical. On the previous two episodes, we talked a lot about the importance of spiritual disciplines, and I've gotten a lot of follow-up questions on how do you actually apply that to your real life? How do you adopt a new spiritual discipline? And so first of all, I love hearing from you. I love hearing your questions. I love hearing what you want us to talk more about in the podcast. And so keep that coming. You can reach out to me on Instagram, at WadeJoy, W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E. Or you can even let me know on a review for the podcast. You can let me know something you want us to, to really explore in an upcoming episode. And if you're feeling extra friendly, you can also give the podcast five stars. I would love that. Um, but I love hearing from you. I love your feedback. So make sure uh, you reach out. But also, uh, a lot of the questions, like I said, that have come in have been around two main themes. One is how do you actually put a new spiritual discipline or rhythm or habit into practice? And another theme has been what are your own spiritual disciplines and rhythms? So I think there's a way that we can actually merge those two questions today that I'm excited about. Uh, but let me start by saying I really prefer the use of the word rhythm over discipline for two main reasons. Uh, First of all, even though I addressed in the last two episodes of the podcast why discipline is a good and necessary thing for our development, it's still very hard for some people to get past the negative connotations of that word. And so I think rhythm might be a more helpful way to frame it. But plus, rhythm speaks to the fluid nature of how, while many of these practices we're talking about are vital and necessary, and many of them commanded in scripture, how we adopt them in different seasons of life can change and often needs to change. So a rhythm still speaks to priority, but it emphasizes the fluid nature of our lives and how we don't need to feel trapped by discipline. Instead, we're called to renew our minds and our souls through healthy rhythms. So hold that thought because I'll come back to it in a moment. Uh, but like I said, people have have asked you know, how do we adopt a spiritual rhythm? And then what are your morning uh, rhythms and prayer rhythms? What do those look like? So today we're going to combine those and look at how did I go from being a night owl to being a morning person? And not only how did I do it, why did I do it? And why do I not just tolerate it, but do I actually enjoy it? And so here's the caveat before we even look at this question as we look at how I adopted a completely new discipline for me, a completely new rhythm, and and why it mattered to me and and the effects that I saw. Here's the caveat. I'm not saying anyone has to have the same rhythm or routine as I do. Um, Your rhythms need to look differently than mine because you're in a whole different season of life, stage of life, different career, different family. Our lives are very different, so our rhythms are going to be very different. Now, As Christians, a lot of our priorities need to be the same, but how we live those out within our lives are going to look differently. So this is going to be a helpful case study that I pray motivates you to make whatever change you need to make in your life. 
And the rhythms that we're going to talk about for me, they've helped me. And I do believe you need versions of them in your own life, especially with how uh, it pertains to how you start your day. Uh, but I also believe this matters for how you're a dreamer and how you look at your dreams. Uh, this whole podcast is called Dreamers and Disciples, and, and I want to bring it back to how this impacts your life as a disciple and a dreamer, because you can't surrender your dreams to the Lord if you haven't submitted your schedule. If you're not willing to submit your your daily schedule, you know the hours that you're awake every day, um, you know the rhythms that you have. How are you going to surrender this lofty, vague, often uh, out of your grasp idea of your dreams? How can you submit something that's invisible when you can't even submit the things that are tangible? invisible about your day-to-day. So you also can't submit your dreams to the Lord when you're not thinking clearly or putting yourself in a posture to hear from God and meditate on His Word. And so how you start your day matters, I believe, to to how your, your mindset is for the rest of the day and how you're positioning your heart to hear from God. So once again, uh, we talked about this last week, but spiritual disciplines and rhythms are about structure, not sameness. They're about structure, not sameness. So you need a structure for your life. You need a structure for your discipleship. You need a structure for your prayer life, for your life as in your family and your friendships. But you don't need the same structure that I do. You don't need the same rhythm that I do. So I'm going to share parts of my rhythms and structures today, and then I'm going to share a, a completely different rhythm and structure at the end of the podcast of someone else to show you that we're not talking about sameness but we are talking about the need to build your life around a structure and a rhythm. So one of the rhythms that has helped me the most in this season is becoming a morning person. And if you knew me prior to 2020, uh, if you knew me for the first 44 years of my life, you would think that I would never say that I was a morning person. Um, In fact, I hated getting up early in the morning. I thought I was a night owl. I thought that I did my best creative work at night. Ever since I I can remember as a kid, I I hated the idea of having a bedtime. I felt like whenever I went to sleep, anything fun or exciting was going to happen after that. I hated the idea of missing out. So I never wanted uh, early bedtime. And so most of my adult life, midnight was the earliest I would get to bed. And I thought I could write my best songs at night, I was more creative then. That's when my wife and I would binge all our shows. And while that was all fine and good to an extent, what I found is how I ended my day affected the way I began the next day. So I was so tired in the morning, I would rush in the morning to make sure I wasn't late for work. I'd kind of roll out of bed, take a quick shower, have a real token quiet time um, so I could check that off the list. But I wasn't really fully present with my family and my kids. My phone, I looked at it right there and it set the tone for the rest of the day. Um, Whatever text or email or notification I got could quickly start my day with worry or anxiety. I felt like I was in a deficit all day, um, that I could never kind of climb out of the hole that I started the day in. And I thought it had to be this way because I wasn't a morning person. That was the label I'd given myself. So my energy wasn't in a good place. I felt tired. Felt like I was playing catch up, so it wasn't good. So I'll share with you later what my morning routine is now, but I really want to focus on not just the what, but the why and the how of making this change. 
because uh, for any change that you're going to make, there's three components. There's why you make it, there's how you make it, and there's what you're trying to move towards. And so I want to encourage and challenge you not to necessarily duplicate what I did, but figure out the change that you need to make, the rhythm that you need to adopt, and then build out the steps and make sure you have the right motivations to fuel you to actually make the change. And so let's start with the first, why did I do it? I kind of explained how I was low energy. I was rushed in the morning. Um, I felt like I was starting at a deficit, and I just didn't want to get those same results year after year by continuing to do the same things. So there's honestly a lot of reasons around that, but I think it all simply boils down to this. I wanted to be more present to what matters most to me, and that is God, myself, and my family. And you might be saying, why did you put yourself in there, and why did you say yourself before your family. Isn't that selfish? Well, you can't be a good husband and dad when you're not healthy, in my case, or you can't be a good friend if you're not healthy. You can't be a good mom if you're not healthy. You can't be a good coworker if you're not healthy. You have to learn how to be present with yourself and know what's happening in your heart and in your emotions and in your mind. You have to learn how to be present to that. And so here's something through this process that I've learned and that I firmly believe. Better planning leads to greater presence. Better planning leads to greater presence. And let me clarify, that doesn't mean that God's more present when I plan. God's always present. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have Christ in you. So it's not that my planning makes God any more present, but it does make me more aware of His presence. So if I am creating intentional space to not be rushed, to not be hurried, to focus on God's Word, to still my heart and my mind— I'm more aware of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to me, what He's wanting to do in me, what God is saying to me through His Word. I'm more uh, aware of what my emotions are telling me uh, about you know, where I'm at, things that I need to surrender to God, maybe something, a dream God's stirring up in me. But it all starts with planning to be present. And so I want to start my day centering myself on God his priorities for my day, his truth, and not someone else's, not someone else's text, not someone else's email, not someone else's post on Instagram. I want to rest in God before looking at social media. I want to be less rushed and more present with my family in the morning. I want to have time to myself to be physically active and to take care of myself and my body and my health. I want to be unhurried. And in general, I want to have more clarity because ultimately how you start your day is vital for your mood, your perspective, and your focus for the entire day. How you start your day is vital for your mood, your perspective, and your focus for the entire day. So I wanted to be more present to God and to myself and to my family, and I knew I needed to make some adjustments. So I set a goal, a goal that was going to stretch me. And this, and this was the goal. I wanted to get up at five in the morning and spend an hour in prayer to start my day. I wanted to get up at five in the morning and spend an hour in prayer to start my day. And that terrified me because it seemed so out of reach. Like I said, I was staying up till midnight. I was getting up at seven, sometimes 7.30, depending on how late I stayed up the night before. And we have kids are homeschooled, so they didn't have to get rushed out to get to school. Um, so I had all these reasons why I didn't have to get up that early. But I knew I needed to start my day differently than I've been starting it for years. So let me say this real quick. I'm not saying you have to get up at a certain time or pray for a certain length of time. I do think how you start your day matters, and I do think prayer at the beginning of your day 
matters. But some of you, your day starts in the afternoon because you work a night shift. Some of you have newborn babies and you're not getting any sleep at all. And so, like I said, you're in a different stage, you're in a different season, so you can have different rhythms. But I do believe whenever your day does start, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, that you need to find intentional time to be present with God and to be present with yourself and when applicable, to be present with the people that you love and that you care about. And that takes a plan. And most of the time, it takes us really uh, stretching ourselves and creating a goal that won't happen by default. It won't happen by you just kind of coasting through it. You're going to have to make some tangible changes to make sure your mindset and your heart are right as you begin your day. So how did I do it? Well, there's four steps. The first is this. I reverse engineered my life. So for you, reverse engineer your life. Reflect on the person that you want to be and the rhythms that produce that type of person. In the business world or in a lot of even like church leadership circles, this would be called knowing your why. And I just talked about my why. I wanted to grow and centering my whole life on God. I wanted to know Him more. I wanted to be a non-anxious presence because I can tend to struggle with anxiety. I wanted to be more present for my family. That was my why. That was what was going to motivate me to actually make change. It wasn't that I wanted to be disciplined for the sake of being disciplined or I wanted to be a person who could brag about being a morning person. None of that had worked for me. It took me really understanding my why to motivate the change. Secondly, I had to reject limiting labels. Reject limiting labels. Now, I mentioned earlier that a lot of us label ourselves. So I labeled myself as uh, as a night owl. I labeled myself that I was not a morning person. And I never thought I could be a morning person. I labeled myself that and thought it was my personality type. So sometimes other people give you labels, and sometimes you label yourself. But what I found is that me saying I'm not a morning person meant that I just didn't want to go to bed earlier. It meant that the comfort of sleeping in was worth more to me than the calling of prayer. So I gave myself an excuse as this is just my personality type in order to give me a pass from doing the hard thing that I knew would actually be healthy for me. Uh, I might have said, you know, I'm an Enneagram six. And so a lot of times I'll stay up at night worrying and all these worst case scenarios will go through my mind. And confession, I am an Enneagram six, so I'm just picking on myself here. And yes, sometimes I struggled with my mind racing and not turning off until I realized that that wasn't so much my personality as it was that I was watching so much TV or on my phone right up until I went to bed. And so my mind was wired I was looking at social media. My mind was wired with comparison and worry and all this stuff. And so then it took a while for me to be able to calm down and actually sleep. So it wasn't my personality. It was my behavior. Now, these personality assessments and Enneagram, all those things can be very helpful. And they can inform a lot of your self-awareness, which is good. But they're not meant to limit you. You are much more complex as a child of God than that. And God is always wanting to transform us and not leave us stagnant in one uh, category or personality type. And so don't let a label limit you or become an excuse. And third thing was uh, I researched. So if you want to make a change, 
research about the change you want to make. If you want to adopt new prayer habits, read books about prayer. Uh, if you want to um, adopt a new rhythm of prayer, then read about how church mothers and fathers throughout the centuries, how did they pray? These people who have produced amazing fruit and legacies of faith, what kind of prayer habits did they adopt are the people that are alive now? Uh, read books like Atomic Habits by James Clear and The Science of Perfect Timing by Daniel Pink. I'll link those in the show notes. Learn how um, your mind is wired for change, but do your research because I think sometimes we feel like we have to start from scratch to come up with these changes when God has given us so much wisdom in the lives of other people. And I want to help you with this too. I've actually been working for the last couple of weeks on a new workbook to help you come up with your own spiritual rhythms, your own rhythms to a healthy soul. And I'm going to be releasing that soon. And uh, the people on my email list will get that first. So if you want to go to wadejoy.com, sign up for my email list, The Weekly Reset, you'll be one of the first people to get that workbook. But it's a way I've done some research and I want to help you with the rhythms that you need to adopt in this season of your life. And then finally, reduce a big change to small steps. Reduce a big change to small steps. So my goal was I want to get up at five and pray for an hour. I basically wanted to get up two hours earlier than I was getting up at the time. But that didn't start um, with me one day going from getting up at seven to getting up at five. It didn't start for me going from praying for five minutes to praying for an hour it took a lot of small steps and small wins that were stacked on top of each other and became contagious. So don't shoot for an hour of prayer when you're not praying for 10 minutes consistently now. You've got to work your way up to it. And so let me just show you how I did that with, with the prayer side of things. So like I said, my prayer had, at that season of my life, two years ago, had become very, just a quick you know, reading of a devotional or skimming something in the Bible and then maybe just five minutes of talking to God, which let me just say this, any prayer is better than no prayer. So if you are going to God in prayer and talking, that is awesome. But I think God wants to constantly grow us and change us and produce the fruits of the Spirit within us. And so that happens as we continue to just center our minds and our hearts on Him. So I wanted to change the way I prayed in order to just make it kind of come alive again. So I started going through this prayer app called Lectio 365. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's a guided prayer app uh, put out by 24-7 Prayer Network. And they pray through you know passages from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Psalms. They'll pray for world events. They'll pray, guide you to pray for things in your own soul or maybe for something in your community or your family. And it just really helped give me a structure to my prayer life and then also there would be times of silence where you would just sit and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So it began uh, to really help teach me how to be silent before God in a new way. So I really enjoyed that. That would take 10 minutes, and then I would take five minutes and try to just be still and silent before God to hear what the Holy Spirit wanted to say to me. And then I would pray the Lord's Prayer. And that whole process would take 15 to maybe 20 minutes. And that's what I did for months because I was trying to get a new rhythm solidified in my heart and in my mind. And as I did that, and as I began to feel the Lord working in me, and it wasn't, I didn't, not like every morning felt super spiritual. Some felt very much like going through the motions. But as I was consistent, 
I began to notice a change. And so then I might try to start going to 10 minutes of silence instead of five minutes of silence. And I would keep stacking a new rhythm or stretching myself or trying something different. But the point is I took small incremental steps towards the big goal. Same thing with uh, the bedtime. It wasn't like we started going to bed at 10 o'clock from midnight. We backed it up little by little from like midnight to 11.30 to 11 over the course of several months. And same thing with what time I woke up. It went from 7 to 6.30, 6.30 to 6, 6 to 5.30, then to 5. But we were stacking habits, we were stacking wins, and we were making small changes that worked towards the big change you want to see. Sometimes the change can be so small. Like for me, it was just putting my phone in the bathroom so that when the alarm went off, I actually had to get up and turn it off. And then I was like, well, I'm already up now. I need to go start my prayer time. You know, I I never won the battle with the snooze button before then. And so I knew I was weak when it was by my bed. So I just had to make this small five-step distance between me and the bathroom and put my phone in there. And that small, very tangible change made a big difference for me in my prayer life. So what small changes can you adopt? So let me go over those four steps again. Reverse engineer your life, reject limiting labels, do your research, and then reduce a big change to small steps. So all that being said, what does my morning routine, my morning prayer time, my rhythms look like now? So I kind of walked you through what got me there. And I did eventually get to the five o'clock wake up time. And I got to the hour in prayer. And I did that for most of the last two years. But I'm going to underscore and emphasize how this is a rhythm and things changed. Uh, I did it at five for most of the last two years because I wanted to get up with enough time to be with my kids before they started their school day. But this has been the summer as I'm recording this. And so I've adjusted my rhythm since they don't have to go to school. And I get up closer to six now for the summer. And so rhythms are meant to be fluid. They're meant to be flexible. And in a couple of weeks, I'll change it and I'll back it up to five again. Um, So you can, as you adopt rhythms, like I said, you don't have to feel trapped by them. Let them move and adjust with your season of life. Plus, we're pretty set on going to bed at 10 now. Uh, And so whereas I was pretty strict in the past about making sure I read most nights, sometimes now we'll still watch TV, but we're monitoring our rhythms uh, to make sure that, that everything is leading us towards the desired result that we want for the morning. In my prayer time, I've journaled some in some seasons and not in others. Um, Most of it has been a journaling season, but this summer I haven't been journaling. So once again, it's a rhythm. So that's, I'm trying to tell you, I'm about to walk you through my current prayer rhythms, but by the time you listen to this, some of this will probably have changed because it's, it's fluid, it's not static. So right now, I wake up at six and I go on a 40 minute walk and I consider this a prayer walk, but it also helps me get my exercise and my steps in. Um, and as I walk, I do the following. I don't take headphones because I want to spend some of it in silence. I want to be present to what's happening around me outside I want to be present to what God may be speaking to me. And so the first several minutes, I'm just silent and trying to collect my thoughts for the morning. Then I'll praise God for His holiness. And that can look like anything from quoting an old hymn, like holy, holy, holy. It could be singing an old school praise song. I sing really quietly as I'm walking through my neighborhood because I don't want to leave some angry neighbors in my wake. And nobody sings good at six in the morning anyway. Uh, Then I'll... uh, 
you know, sometimes I'll just quote scriptures like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, or worthy is the lamb to receive all glory, honor, wisdom, and power, and strength. I'll, I'll just do anything that just gets my focus on magnifying the Lord. Then I move into a, a liturgy that I've developed for myself, which a liturgy at its core is a structure for my prayer. So I want to make sure that my emotions or lack of emotion doesn't dictate my prayer. Now, my emotion informs my prayer. You see David very emotional in his prayers in the Psalms, but my emotions shouldn't control whether or not I pray. Um, So my emotions inform my prayer, but they don't control my prayer. So I try to set my heart on the fact that I need God, whether I feel that way or not that morning. I try to set my heart on praising God, whether I feel that way or not. I try to focus on praying for others, even when all I want to focus on is myself. So I'll start to pray through, as I'm walking, Psalm 62, 5 through 8. And these are just scriptures that I've memorized and try to meditate on. So Psalm 62, 5 through 8, then Psalm 90, 13 through 17, and then all of Psalm 23. And I'll link all these. I'll put them in the show notes. And I'll use each line as a cue to pray towards something specific. So Psalm 90, 13 through 17 says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Um, Let us, your servants, see you work again. Uh, Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. So as I'm talking about, uh, when I get to the part about may our children see your glory, that's a cue for me to pray for my children. Uh, When I'm praying may the Lord our God make our efforts successful. Uh, I'm bringing to God whatever I'm working on that day, whatever I'm trying to be successful at, and I try to ask Him help my definition of success line up with yours and be submitted to yours. So I'm using all these Psalms as cues to guide my prayer, but then informing them with my emotions and what's going on in my life. And as I'm walking, I'm I'm having like moments of silence where if God brings a name to mind, I'll pray for that person. I'll I'll bring any kind of, like I said, emotional frustration that I have to God. And some days on Mondays, I try to be more devoted towards interceding for my family. And then each other day, I have a different focus for intercession. But for some reason, I find when I walk, people's names come to mind and I am better at interceding for other people with these prayer walks. And then I'll end my walk with the Lord's Prayer. And once again, I'll just pray through the Lord's Prayer and take each line as a cue to pray about someone or something specific. So that's my 40-minute walk. Then I get back home and I feed the dogs. (laughs) Then I go to the back porch and I have like the next 30 minutes is more, uh, it's it's more Bible study meditation. uh, And that's where I'll go through Lectio 365 because it'll have me pray through a different psalm that I'm not normally praying through that morning. It'll help me pray through an Old Testament or New Testament passage. And then also it'll focus me on something other than what comes to top of mind for me. So I like that from my perspective. And then I go, I study whatever I'm studying in the Bible. So currently I'm in Leviticus, so I'll read through that. And I try to do something in the Old and New Testament. And then I'll read, I'm going through 2 Corinthians right now with N.T. Wright's New Testament for Everyone Commentaries. So I'll read through that, and then I'll just end with silence and sit and reflect on what God spoke to me uh, the day ahead. Sometimes I'll pray through my calendar, and then I close my prayer time by saying uh, a prayer that I learned from John Elridge. I give everyone and everything over to you today, God, 
And then I just pray, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So all in all, that process takes me about 90 minutes. But let me just say this. It didn't start with 90 minutes. It started with 10 minutes two years ago and incrementally worked up to this. And it's changed a lot. And when something has gotten stale, I've changed it. And when something feels like I'm just going through the motions, I change it. Um, And 90 minutes might sound like a lot to you, but if I took all the time I used to spend on Instagram in the morning or you know, watching, binging a show the night before or on YouTube or just on my phone doing emails in the morning, it would more than even out to that 90 minutes. But these 90 minutes help me focus my heart. And I've also determined that I won't look at my phone for social media or email or text until after the prayer time is done, um, which can sometimes be a challenge since I'm using my phone for Lectio and I'll find myself just habit wanting to go to Instagram. Um, But that small commitment has also helped my mind so much. But it didn't start with 90 minutes. It started with 10. And so once again, the point isn't to copy my rhythm. It's to find your own. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Learn from other people. Don't condemn yourself. But also don't be afraid to challenge yourself either. Rhythms look different depending on your life stage. And so I just want to end with this story that I think will encourage you. It's from Susanna Wesley. And she's called the mother of Methodism um, because she was the mother of John Wesley, who led a revival movement that became known as Methodism. And John Wesley preached to nearly a million people in his day. Uh, One of her other sons, Charles Wesley, wrote over 9,000 hymns. We sing a lot of them today in churches across the world. But she raised 10 children. She actually had 19 children, but only 10 of them survived. And she lived in the late 1600s, early 1700s. And she had a difficult life. Um, Her husband was difficult. He was a pastor. He was away um, a lot. So most of the time she was raising the family by herself. She was overwhelmed with responsibility for the house and for the kids. She struggled with sickness. There's some disabilities with her children. Um, They didn't have much money. They were overwhelmed with debt. Yet she wanted to be a woman of prayer. And she found a rhythm of prayer that worked for her. And so she told her kids, uh, whenever they saw her with her apron over her head, That meant that she was in prayer and couldn't be disturbed. Now, she couldn't get up early, two hours earlier than everyone else. She couldn't stay up later, but she knew that she could put her apron over her head and study her Bible, meditate on God's Word, and pray. And she set up a rhythm. She set up a system. And it said that she prayed two hours a day by finding those pockets throughout the day that allowed her to keep her focus on God. And the Lord used her in a powerful way in the lives of her kids. So what is your rhythm? What is your version of your apron? If you can't carve out time in the morning, what can you do? How can you start your day? How can you find a rhythm that positions your heart before the Lord where you can plan to be more present with Him, more present with yourself, and more present for the people that you love? If we believe strength, hope, and life is found in the presence of God, we will find a rhythm for that. So I would love to leave you with that question. What is one way you can be more present today for God, for yourself, and for the people most important to you? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you and to give you a small step to take. Maybe there's a label that you put on yourself that you need to take off of yourself. But what is the change that God is calling you to make, the step He's calling you to take, and ask Him for the grace to obey and to to pursue Him and to position your heart in a new rhythm. So thanks for being with me today. I've really enjoyed walking through 
this episode. Uh, remember, uh, in just a few weeks, I'm going to send to my email list that workbook I mentioned. That's going to be a guide for you to come up with your own spiritual rhythms based on what I believe uh, are the different spiritual rhythms that help renew your soul and help you find more emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So you can get that when you sign up for my email list, The Weekly Reset at wadejoy.com. As soon as it's released, you'll be the first ones to get that. But I can't wait to continue our conversation on how to be a dreamer and a disciple right here next week. See you then.